0: Uh, we're kicking off a brand new series this morning uh, called Game Plan X's and O's for the Game of Life. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking uh, about some issues and, and some struggles that we have in life where if we if we follow God's game plan, it, it could just make a turnaround in our lives. And we'll be using the theme of football as kind of a springboard to dive into the unchanging truth of God's Word. And, and this morning, uh, we're talking about uh, something that is a struggle that so many many of us face, that, that we all face really from time to time. And as I got to thinking about the struggle uh, that, that we sometimes face, I got to thinking about just this whole concept of struggle this week. It, it just kind of threw me into that saying that, that's very popular right now, the struggle is real. Uh, it's when it's like a struggle, but it's not really a struggle, right? And so I just said, okay, I'm going to search that hashtag on the internet and just see what's there because, you know, there's some always some cool stuff on the internet. And so I searched for the struggle is real, and this is what we have. If you're cooking bacon on on your chi iron, the struggle is real. Okay, um, go go ahead and go to the next one. Some of you experienced that this week. Uh, some of you will experience it this coming week. The back to school struggle. This is me every Sunday. The only time I want to eat Chick Fil A is on Sunday. The struggle is real. It's not delivery. It's the struggle. If you've ever had that kind of pizza. Uh, and then the last one. I love this one. The struggle is real. Uh, when when that's your windshield wiper. Um, That's crazy. The struggle is real. The Bible talks about a struggle that we all face, a struggle that all of us come up against, a struggle that we all have to deal with. It's found uh, in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 7. If you have a Bible this morning, you can open it up or turn it on and go to Romans chapter 7. We're going to be starting out in verse 18. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we would love to give you one. If you don't own a copy of God's Word, we would encourage you on your way out to stop by our Connection Center. Are right in the back of the room, and we gladly give you a copy of God's Word uh, that you can have for your very own this morning. If you're new to the Bible and you're new to church, the Bible's divided up into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is a record of the history and movement of God before the coming of His Son Jesus into the world, and everything in the Old Testament points forward that one day God will send a rescuer to rescue people from their sins. That's the story of the New Testament. It's the story of the rescuer, of Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, and the New Testament records his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. That means he came back to life and the beginnings of his early church. And so Romans chapter 7 was written by a follower of Jesus named Paul. And basically what Paul was doing was he was teaching the church uh, how to how to follow God and how to live in a way that honored God. And so he wrote this letter to them that's now a part of the Bible. And in Romans chapter 7 verse 18 is where we're starting this morning. Paul says this, I want to do what is right, but I can't I want to do what is good, but i don't i don 't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway Hit the pause button for a second ever been there I want to do what is good but i don't i don 't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway Have you ever been there Paul goes on to say this he says, but if I do what i don 't want to do i 'm not really the one doing wrong it is sin living in me that does it i 've discovered This principle in life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? You know what Paul is saying? He's saying the struggle is real. He's saying the struggle is real, that there's a very real struggle that we go through in life where we want to do what is right. We want to do what is good, but somehow we end up doing the opposite. We don't want to do what's wrong. We don't want to walk away from God, but somehow we end up doing that anyway. He's saying that when it comes to doing what's right and living in a way that honors God, it can be a real struggle. And if we're honest in here today, we'd admit that too. Sometimes doing what God wants us to do and living in a way that honors God is a real struggle. Sometimes there's a war going on within us that we want to do what's good, but, but we're, 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 being, we're being led, we're being tempted to do what's wrong, and that's called temptation. And so this morning we're, we're going to kick things off in this new game plan series by, by talking about how do we tackle temptation. How do, we, how do we fight this battle? How do we win this struggle that Paul is talking about? Because the question that's a real struggle in our lives is this. What do I do about the battle that's going on within me? Well, what do I do about, about this struggle with temptation in my life? How can I tackle temptation and win this battle that's going on within my life, where there's three things that God's word teaches us that we need to tackle temptation. Three things that you and I have to have in our lives if we're going to win this battle, if we're going to win this struggle, if we're going to tackle temptation. The first one is this. It's sidelines. Sidelines. If you're going to win the battle of temptation, you have to have sidelines in your life. Here's what I mean by that. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12 says this. A prudent person foresees danger And takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. God's word says that if you're a prudent person a person who acts wisely and carefully about your future that you can see the temptations you can see the dangers that lie ahead and you will take precaution to avoid those. You you can see the battle that's coming and you know your weaknesses and you know your own struggles and so you will take precautions to guard yourself against making the wrong decision but the simpleton, someone who just goes through life and doesn't consider Uh, the possibilities always has to suffer with the consequences and what the Bible is saying is that we need some sidelines in our life here's what sidelines do they're guidelines that help keep us on the playing field so that we can move down the field of life and we don't disqualify ourselves by running out of bounds that's what sidelines do they, they, they provide guidelines that keep us moving down the field, in the field of play, winning the game of life, so that we don't disqualify ourselves by stepping out of bounds. Let me illustrate that. When I was a freshman, uh, I grew up in Gorman, Texas, about 30 miles from here. Uh, yeah, Gorman, Texas. That's awesome. Uh, when, uh, when when I, when I was growing up, I was a freshman uh, playing football, and, and uh, we had a freshman team my freshman year. A lot of 1A schools don't have a freshman team, but we had a big freshman class, and for six weeks, we had a freshman football team. And then the six weeks, you know, report cards came out and we only had one team because half the program flunked out. But for a while, uh, we had, a, we had a, a, a JV. We called it JV. It was all freshmen. And not many 1A teams had freshman teams. So we were always trying to find football games against bigger schools. Well, the second week of the season... We had a, a game against Stephenville. Now, when you live in Gorman, and this was in the early '90s at Stephenville. That's like that's like the Super Bowl. You're playing Stephenville. That's the Super Bowl of your existence. Who cares that it was the freshman B team? But we were we were playing like the Super Bowl of our existence, man. If we could beat a Stephenville team, like we are the stuff at Gorman, right? And so we come over here and we played on one of uh, one of the practice fields, and and they brought in some little metal, metal bleachers for the four fans that showed up uh, for this game, right? And so we're Playing Stevenville, and it's a really close game. It's a, it's a really uh, hard-fought battle. Uh, about a minute left in the game, uh, we are down 14 to 13 to the Stevenville squad, and uh, we couldn't throw the ball at all. All we did was run the ball, so we run a power sweep. Uh, that was part of our two-minute drill, and, and uh, we run a power sweep around the end, and uh, my friend Marco busted loose over 70 yards Goes in for the touchdown. And we had just beat Stephenville. And we were like so happy. We were ecstatic. We were jumping up and down celebrating. The four fans were going nuts right on their one bleacher that they had, you know. And and it was awesome. And then all of a sudden you hear this whistle. And you look back down the field and like 40 yards from... From the goal line, there's a ref standing with his foot on the sideline, marking that Marco had stepped out of bounds uh, as he ran to the goal line. It was just so deflating because when you step out of bounds, you disqualify yourself from moving forward, right? To this day, I think that was like an SHS employee that marked us out of, out of bounds, right? I know he was on the payroll. I know he was. Um, but he marked him out of bounds so he could not continue to move down the field in play. You see, sidelines in our lives, they, they keep us in play. They make sure that we don't disqualify ourselves from pursuing God's best in our life. Another word for sidelines could be this. It could be boundaries. If you want to tackle temptation, if you want to win the battle of temptation, then you've got to have boundaries in your life. Here's what a boundary is. Here's what a sideline is. If we want those in our life, here's what we have to do. We have to, we have to make the decision before we have to make the decision. We have to make the decision before we have to make the decision so so here's an example you've got somebody at work who who who, who you you know notice that you're flirting with and you're married and, and and they're not your spouse you notice you're flirting with them you notice man this relationship could be could be bad. If I, were to, if I were to pursue this, this could be bad, but I can see myself falling into that temptation. You need a sideline. Here's what you need to do. You need to make the decision before you have to make the decision to say, you know what? I'm not going to work after hours with just that person. I'm not gonna be at the office at night with just that person because I can see I'm prudent I'm wise I can see that this could be bad and so I'm gonna make the decision before I have to make the decision to do what's right instead of what's wrong or maybe you're a college student or, or a high school student and you're pursuing uh, God's best in your dating relationships and you're pursuing purity in your life here's the thing if you're pursuing uh, purity in, in your in your dating relationships you cannot wait till you're alone in in the apartment with your boyfriend or girlfriend at 11.30 on a Friday night and you know no one else is gonna come to the apartment to make the decision to pursue purity. You gotta make the decision before you have to make the decision. Maybe you struggle with gossip and you know that when you get in a crowd of people talking about people, it's like a wildfire. You're like pouring gas on the fire, right? You love to trash people. You love to talk about people. You know it's wrong, but it's that struggle that Paul talks about. You don't wanna do it, but you end up doing it anyway. You've got to make the decision before you have to make the decision to say the next time, man, when I'm around my group of friends who love to gossip, I'm just going to step away from the conversation. I'm just going to remove myself from the conversation so I don't start trashing people just like they are. I'm going to make the decision before I have to make the decision. That's what sidelines do. They, they keep us on the playing field, moving forward towards God's best and keep us from disqualifying ourselves in the game of life by making a poor decision decision to walk away from God instead of toward God whatever it is that is your weakness whatever it is that is your temptation whatever it is that could disqualify you from the game of life that could cause you to give into your struggles and to and to make the wrong decision instead of the right decision decide now to put a boundary in your life that will keep you from making the wrong decision decide now that if you're going to tackle temptation you got to get some sidelines we all need sidelines in our lives. Another thing that we all need in our lives if we're going to tackle temptation is that we all need teammates. We all need teammates. If we're going to tackle temptation, if we're going to win against the struggle, we've got to have teammates in our lives. Here's what the Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now catch this. The Bible teaches that the only way that you and I can be forgiven of our sin The only way that we can experience freedom and forgiveness from the wrong decisions that we've made is through Jesus Christ. By confessing our sin to Jesus and placing our trust in the finished work that he's done on the cross. By confessing our sins to Jesus, accepting his forgiveness through his death on the cross. That's the only way that we have forgiveness of our sins. But this verse says if you want to have healing from your sins, you have to confess to each other. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Here's what that means. It means we confess our sins to Jesus for forgiveness. But if we really want our lives to change, if we really want to be healed, then we confess to one another. We've got to have some teammates in our life who know what our struggles are who know what our weaknesses are, who know the temptation that we're facing and who will stand with us in the midst of that and help push us toward God's best plan in our life? So many people struggle with the same thing over and over and over and over again. They're in this vicious cycle because no one knows what you struggle with. No one knows your weaknesses, you're living in complete isolation and you don't have teammates who can stand with you and say, I know you're struggling with this, but you're not gonna make the right decision. We're gonna point you toward the, you're not gonna make the wrong decision. We're gonna point you toward the right decision. We're gonna stand with you and push you to pursue God's best. In your life, my sophomore year we were uh, uh, playing football against Cross Plains and uh, a very close game. They, they had us down uh, by a couple points, and, and we were down on our own goal line about to score in the fourth quarter with time running out. And, and uh, when, when I played football at Gorman, we had a really big offensive line. We averaged about 235 uh, across the line. And for a 1A school, a little bitty school, that's a big offensive line. So we could just run the ball constantly on people. You know, three yards huddle back up. Three yards, huddle back up. Three yards, huddle back up. We couldn't really pass the ball, and we didn't run away from many people, but three yards at a time was our specialty. And so uh, every now and then, our coach, who was an awesome dude, uh, incredible uh, guy pouring into students. But every now and then, he would make some crazy calls. And so we're fourth and two, two yards from the goal line. If we score, we win the game. If they stop us, they win the game. And he sends in the play. And, 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 and our team was young. We were really young. We had three seniors, one junior. All the rest of us were sophomores. He sends in the play, and he says, uh, we're, we're going to run bootleg right. Now, bootleg was a passing play. We had a quarterback that had two great legs and no good arms, all right? Uh, He couldn't throw the ball at all. And we also had some receivers that could not catch a cold, much less a football. And so there was no way we were going to score a touchdown running a passing play. So one of the seniors that was on the offensive line looks at everybody in the huddle, and he says, forget that. That's the church version of what he said. He said, forget that. We're not running that play. We're running blood right, which was right up the gut. And we're like, yeah, we're running blood right. Let's run blood right. So we break the huddle. We go up to the line of scrimmage. And our coach sees what we're, you know, sees that we're in the wrong formation. He's trying to call timeout. Before he can call timeout, we get the ball snapped. We run blood right, right up the middle and right into the end zone. And we score and we win the game. And we were going nuts. The fans were going nuts. Coach Allen wasn't really going that nuts. He was a little ticked. <laughs> And, uh, and and in fact, we won the game. The next Monday, we ran forever. Literally, I think he Googled how far can a teenager run and then die, and then he took ten yards off of that, and that's how far we ran. Like oh, it was brutal on Monday, but it was so worth it because we won. Sometimes, in the midst of the struggle, you need some teammates who will step in and go, "You know what? This is a struggle. This is a challenge, but I'm going to be right by your side, and we're going to win at the game of life." We need some teammates. In our lives. We need some people who will step into our struggle, who will step into our weakness, who will step into our temptation, who will stand in the midst of the mess with us and say we're gonna fight with you to pursue God's best for your life, to pursue God's purpose for your life, to help you make the right decision instead of the wrong decision. That's why we have life groups here at Timber Edge. Our life groups, our small groups are kicking off uh, next next week on Sunday. Next Sunday, we're having a big life group connect event so people can get connected to our life groups. And, And I would challenge you, if you don't have those people in your life who are teammates who are pushing you to pursue God's best, who will stand with you when you make wrong decisions, but will push you toward the right decisions, you need to get connected to a life group because that's what they're there for. That's what they're there for, for people to walk through life with you as your teammates. You can sign up on your connection card. You can sign up online. But you need to get connected because we need people in our lives who will help us win the battle against temptation. None of us can conquer the struggle of temptation in our lives alone. We need other people who are providing accountability and encouragement and help push us away from the wrong decision and toward the decision that honors God. We need, we need some teammates. And then the third thing that we need if we're gonna win the battle, if we're gonna, if we're gonna win the battle against temptation, the third thing we need is power. We, we need power. Here, here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 7, verse 25 it says, Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. You remember what Paul said in verse 24? He said, what a miserable person am I? He's talking about, I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it. And then he concludes this struggle by saying, what a miserable person am I? Who can help me defeat this life of a struggle? Who, who Who can help me not live this way? That's what he said in verse 24 when we started this morning. In verse 25, he says this, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. He continues in the next verse in chapter 8, verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, I'm going to pause right there. Some of you in this room, you're not yet a follower of Jesus. You're just checking out the Jesus thing. You're just checking out the church thing. Maybe you're just here because your friend keeps inviting you and you just want to get them off your back so you showed up this morning. If that's you, I just want to let you know that I think you're one of the bravest people in the room. Because it takes courage to walk into a church when you're not really sure about this whole Jesus thing and to show up this morning. And so I, I want to applaud you for your courage this morning to be here. But for those of you in the room who are followers of Jesus, you've placed your faith your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you're doing your best to live a life that honors God Paul is talking to you right there did you catch that he says because you belong to Jesus because you belong to Jesus the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death the power of God lives inside of you if you're a follower of Jesus That The Spirit of God that gives you power and life lives inside of you if you're a follower of Jesus. And Paul says that that power is the power that conquers sin. That that power is the power that empowers you to defeat the struggle of temptation in your life. That that power empowers you and equips you to live in a way that honors God, to walk toward God, not away from God. In verse 3, he continues, he says, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have in that body. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Did you catch what Paul said? If you think back to verse 24, he says, listen, all the right things I want to do, I don't do. And all the wrong things I I want to do, I end up doing. Who can get me out of this struggle? And then he immediately answers the question. He says, praise God that he sent Jesus, who gives me the power to overcome sin. Praise God that he sent Jesus who empowers me and gives me life so that I don't have to live a life controlled by sin any longer, but I can have freedom to live in a way that pleases God. And Paul says that God did for us through Jesus, God did for us what the rules couldn't do, what the regulations couldn't do, that he gave us freedom in the person of Jesus through the cross. And that we can be empowered to live in a way that pleases God. You'll never tackle temptation. I'll never tackle temptation if we try to do it on our own power. We won't. We'll, we'll never, we will never win the struggle. If we try to do it on our own. If I just try harder, if I if I if I just do more, if I if I just try to try to try to do it on my own and, and my own grit and my own power, and I'm just gonna bear down and I'm gonna beat this struggle and I'm gonna beat temptation. No, you're not. And I'm not either, because none of us on our own power have the power to beat that struggle in our lives. Only through the power of God, through a personal relationship with Jesus, do we have that power in our lives. I have a deflated football here. And typically, you can't get a lot done with deflated footballs. Unless you're Tom Brady, you throw a little 10-yard outs. You know, just deflate them a little, it helps. But, but for the most part, a deflated football does not accomplish what you want it to. In fact, I could just get a regular Joe to come up here and give, give him an inflated football. Just a regular guy, maybe never even played football before. And I can bring a college quarterback, a star college quarterback up here and give him a deflated football, and the regular Joe who has the inflated football is going to be able to throw far farther and far more accurate than the college quarterback with the deflated football. Why? Because without air inside of this thing, it will not accomplish the purpose for which it was made. If it's deflated, it won't accomplish the purpose for which it was created. If it's deflated, it won't accomplish the purpose for which it was created. It's got to be full of something if it's going to accomplish what it was created to do. Same thing is true in our lives. If we live deflated lives without the power of God working in us and living in us and moving in us, we will never accomplish the purpose that we were created for. It's only by being filled by the power of Jesus. It's only by God's spirit living in us and through us. It's only by turning all over control of our life to Jesus and say, I can't beat this struggle. I can't beat this temptation. I can't beat these wrong choices that lead to death. God, only you can empower me to do that. It's only by being filled with the person of Jesus, by being filled with the spirit of God that we have the power to live in a way that honors God and to be who we were created to be. We'll never accomplish our purpose apart from that. We'll never accomplish what God made us for apart from being inflated, filled with the power of God. Because you and I, we we can't do it on our own. We can only do it through the power that God gives us through a personal relationship with Jesus. Let's pray together this morning.